Welcome to A Well-Cared-For Human, the podcast that tries to convince you that you are 100% normal and an even better-than-okay example of the human species, despite the fact that sometimes we feel like the craziest, most incapable, or worthless creatures on the face of this planet. I'm Corey, an author, a creative, and the host of the show. Whatever you're bringing to the table today, I hope this episode proves to be a dose of inspiration for you on your quest to become a well-cared-for human. You can find the episode show notes, your free wellness blueprint, and more at awellcaredforhuman.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Hello humans, it's your host Corey, and today we're going to talk about codependency. This episode is built on the back of last week's episode about boundaries, because codependency is also a boundary issue. So you might recognize some overlap here and realize why I laid the groundwork with my boundaries talk last week. But let's begin with what is codependency. I was introduced to the idea of codependency in my early 20s when I first went to therapy. I had never heard of it before. I had no idea what that was about. And my therapist at the time, Dr. Art, rest his soul, had recommended two books to me. He knew I was a reader. He knew that I processed information through books pretty well. So he started me off with The Drama of the Gifted Child by Alice Miller and Codependent No More by Melody Beatty. Both of these books were very transformative to me at the time, and I recommend them to anyone who is trying to resolve their own trauma. In Drama of the Gifted Child, I saw myself reflected in the description of the gifted child who struggles to be perfect in order to gain their parents' love and approval, and in doing so, the child completely loses their sense of self. Because this was essentially the relationship I had with my father. If I could just be smart enough, accomplished enough, perfect enough in every way, he would finally love and accept me. Then there was Beatty's book, Codependent No More, How to Stop Controlling Others and Start Caring for Yourself. And everything about this reflected in my relationship with my mother. Because codependency is a survival tactic. It's our tendency to try and get control of -of out-of-control situations. It's a boundary issue where we lose sight of ourselves, of our own lives, of our own needs. Because we get swept up in the needs or drama of other people. My mother's addictive patterns, her self-destructive patterns, fostered this codependency in me. But I also figured out later that my father is codependent, probably because his mother was also a violent alcoholic. And so I kind of got a twofer. I inherited a lot from him in those unhealthy patterns because he was modeling them for me through his own words and actions. And this book introduced me to the idea that I can't change anyone but myself, right? I wasn't going to make my parents be any different than they were. And that my responsibility was to go about healing my own codependency re-establishing my sense of self, and setting good boundaries. So I highly recommend both of those books to anyone who are working with any of those issues. If you had an alcoholic or an addicted family member, if you've been affected by someone else's trauma, anger issues, destructive behaviors, all of these things cause codependency. Even a long-term illness can cause it. I've heard codependency called the caretaker syndrome also, because it can be exacerbated by caretaker roles. And then there's people who have been sexually, physically, or emotionally abused. They can also develop codependency because essentially codependency reflects an erosion of a healthy sense of self and well-being that is often the result of abuse. And I just want to say that there's no shame in getting help. 
Codependency can be so ingrained in our psyche that it can become necessary to have a trained professional walk us through it to figure out where our particular stuck points are, and that's going to be unique to everyone. But that said, there's still plenty that I can mention today. I started with boundaries last week because figuring out what you need and learning how to ask for those needs to be met is a big part of healing codependency. At its core, codependency is the inability to see clear demarcation, a clear line between your needs and wants and desires and emotions, and the needs, wants, desires, and emotions of other people. In my case, that's because of how I was conditioned as a child and those behaviors extended into adulthood. But you could also have developed it through toxic relationships or any of the other situations I had described above. It doesn't really matter what your age was. You can develop codependency at any time. So what does codependency look like? Well, I can only tell you what mine looked like. And with my mom, I had an especially codependent episode after she ended up in Vanderbilt Hospital with her head injury. It was the first time that I can recall in which my uncle almost killed her. I had become convinced that my mom couldn't be in that house anymore, in my grandmother's house. It wasn't safe, obviously. And so I made all these plans for what her life would be like once she healed. But by the time she left the hospital and was moved to the rehabilitation center, which was meant to help her learn how to talk, walk, and regain her functions again, I was shopping for curtains and sheets and a spare bed for the spare room in the duplex I was living in at the time. I was in graduate school trying to complete a master's in English, and I just did not have the time or money or resources to be doing all this for her, let alone assume the responsibility and care for what was essentially an alcoholic, mentally ill adult. But I was only 22, and I was willfully ignoring all the red flags, all the warnings, what my intuition was telling me on the subject of how unsafe this was for me, and instead I was lying to myself and building up a narrative in my mind about how this time would be different, because surely, after almost being killed, she would come to her senses and change her behavior. It did not even matter a little bit that I had 20-something years of experience that said otherwise. So I get this room ready for her. I rework my entire school and work schedule around having her in my life. I've already talked to everyone I need to talk to, so it's full steam ahead here on these plans that I've been making. And everything starts falling apart the moment I get a call saying that she's left the rehab center against doctor's orders. Someone had come and checked her out before she was cleared to leave. So I go looking for her. I'm trying to figure out who it was that helped her escape. And eventually I track her down back to, you guessed it, my grandmother's house, where her brother still was. He didn't go to jail or anything for assaulting her with a glass ashtray that basically caved her skull in. So she's just there in this house with him as if he had not almost killed her like a month before. And this is a clear repetition of old, dangerous, self-destructive behaviors. And yet it still wasn't enough to break the deal for my codependent ass. <laughs> for me, because I was codependent, I still picked her up, I still got her and her trash bag full of clothes into the car. I still planned to take her back to the city where I was living because I had driven more than an hour to come and pick her up. And this was an hour on top of all the other driving around and searching I had did trying to figure out where she had gone. Because she didn't have a phone. There was no texting or something sensible that would have saved us all a lot of time. But anyway, I get her in the car and she's smoking, which I've asked her not to do. Another boundary violation. And her head is shaved and I can see these 64 staples in the side of her head, which is truly horrific. She should not have been out of the hospital, period. But here she was. She's in my car. 
She wants to stop at the gas station for cigarettes. She wants to use my money, again, the money I don't have, to go in and buy her cigarettes. But when she goes into the gas station, it's not cigarettes that she comes out with. It's a six-pack of beer. And as odd as that sounds, because I've clearly let her trample all over me at this point, that is the actual deal-breaker for me. Because I had made a deal with her that I would come and I would get her and take her back to my place, set up this whole life for her, help her in every way I possibly could, if she promised not to drink while she lived with me. Because she had been drunk when she had gotten into a fight with her brother, and he had almost killed her. A lot of bad memories and experiences I had had stemmed from her alcoholism. So this was my attempt at setting a boundary, and clearly it backfired. She did not take my boundary seriously. She did not respect it. She did not want to agree to the terms of the boundary whatsoever. And what makes all of this codependent is that every step of this was my attempt to change her behavior, to force a different outcome, to completely sideline my needs and wants in favor of hers, my malformed attempts to set boundaries and expectations of how I was to be treated, how my space was to be treated, her violating those boundaries and me letting her violate those boundaries. All of that is codependent, especially this habit of altering my behavior in order to elicit a certain response from someone. That is very codependent. That was something that I did often in all kinds of relationships that I had up and down the board. And as you can see from this example, this is what it looks like when you try to move from codependency to health. It's very messy. You know, I tried to set boundaries and I failed to set boundaries. I failed to get the toxic people in my life to respect them, to adhere to them. And it really wasn't until I graduated about eight months after this incident and moved away from Tennessee to Michigan. And I started therapy and I began to really work on this stuff. So at this point, I'm like 25 before I even know what the word codependency is, let alone working on my codependency. So these things take time and it's not always clear cut and we're not really good at what we're trying to do in the beginning. You know, we make a lot of mistakes. And I also just want to say again that someone else's codependency might not look like my codependency. Codependency can manifest in different people in a variety of ways, which is why it would be best to speak to a professional and get an accurate diagnosis. I don't recommend self-diagnosis in any medical or psychological situation. So just keep in mind that I'm speaking generally when I say codependency can include people-pleasing, trouble being assertive saying no, setting boundaries, all of these things that I've mentioned in this episode and last week's episode. But it can also be reflected in our discomfort with asking for our needs to be met and when we are overly dependent on the opinions, feelings, and approval of others. Because people with low self-esteem, low self-worth, we often struggle with codependency because we want the love and approval of others so badly that we're willing to sacrifice our well-being to get it. Or if you're really self-critical and perfectionistic, that could be codependency. Anytime we try to manipulate or control or exert our will on others or the world at large in order to feel safer, often that's codependency. And again, that was definitely me for a while. I wanted to feel safe. I was so tired of the adults in my life being crazy and unpredictable. And having things, quote, under control was the only way to provide that temporary sense of security for me. Even though now I know that was completely an illusion and that I am, in fact, the size of an amoeba, you know, hurling through the cosmos, I would still fall apart whenever my efforts to get everything under my thumb didn't work. Focusing on other people and their problems instead of my own, other people's emotions instead of my own, 
feeling responsible for everyone and everything and feeling desperate to stay on top of stuff. Finding purpose and rescuing people is another big one that I had a really bad pattern around. I had started with my mom, of course, but later it bled into the people that I dated. If I could rescue, fix, or help someone in order to feel loved and needed, I was all over it. And if you're someone who does not struggle with codependency and you're listening to all this and you're like, wow, codependents sound like a hot mess. uh, Yes, we are on the inside. But in truth, we actually look like hardworking, overly responsible people, always on top of everything, handling our business. But inside, we might be secretly bubbling with resentment or the very least exhaustion (laughs) or probably both. We are resentful and we are exhausted because our relationships are so unhealthy. They're so taxing on our minds, our bodies, our spirits. But how do we heal from codependency? Well, at its core, codependency is a balance issue. Codependent relationships are unbalanced. So in order to heal, we need to restore the balance that's missing. And that means prioritizing our own self-care, no matter what kind of compulsion or fears we have that tell us that we can't do that. Prioritizing your own self-care developing enough self-love and awareness that we know what our needs are and how to meet them, and then doing whatever we need to do in order to prioritize that self-care. And we might have to keep reminding ourselves that, you know, I can't take care of other people. I can't offer genuine, useful care unless I'm well cared for myself, unless I'm healthy, because I can't pour from an empty cup. So that also means getting comfortable with asking for what we need, For the longest time, I found it so difficult to ask people for help. I still do, to be honest. Even after all these years and reconditioning, there's still this part of me that gets anxious every time I need to ask somebody to help me with something. Kim and I just built a fence together, like a six-foot privacy fence, and it's physically impossible to hold two ends of like an eight-foot plank board up by yourself one person and then also nail it in straight with a nail gun with one hand like I do not physically have the correct number of hands to do that and I still felt weird asking for her to help me build a fence that was her fence so it's not necessarily that the feelings completely go away over time it's just that you get better at talking sense to yourself at reminding yourself hey that's a little nuts you can absolutely ask for help it doesn't mean anything bad so just continuing to to work with whatever your hang-ups are. Learning to set good boundaries also helps with healing codependency and restoring that balance that you need. Knowing what your actual responsibilities are and sticking to those. Spoiler alert, you are probably not responsible for as much as you think you are, which might feel like a blessing or absolute terror to you. (laughs) You, You may discover one or the other. But practice letting go of what you can't control. It's one of the most important steps in healing codependency. Anything that we can do to help develop a sense of ourself, of who we are, and who the other person is. This is me. This is my realm. That is not my realm. Those are not my responsibilities. That line can be really blurred for people who struggle with codependency. So just remember, not my circus, not my monkeys. The only thing I can control is myself. So it helps me to get really clear on what is me, what is myself, me and mine. And as always, as we heal from codependency or anything else, any other aspect of our traumas, just keep trying to be kind to ourselves, keep accepting ourselves, keep loving ourselves, be compassionate about where you are right now and how you got there. You know, it doesn't help me to 
beat myself up about the mistakes I made in my relationships or to think about that last incident with my mom and how I didn't do a good job of setting boundaries. Healing is messy, you know, and it's going to take time for us to figure out what we need to do to learn new strategies. So just be patient if you can. Expect that there will be roadblocks and frustrations and mistakes and just take that as a sign that you're moving in the right direction rather than taking it as a sign that you absolutely suck and you're bad at everything. Don't do that. But again, this is the tippiest of the tips of an iceberg here. So much work has been done on codependency in the psychological space since Beatty's original book in the 90s because in addition to her work and her books, articles and resources on the subject have also come out. And there's also cognitive behavioral therapy, which I mentioned. That's what I was doing with Dr. Art and him walking me through how each of my thought patterns, each of my behaviors were problematic, where I was getting stuck. There's also support groups for codependents, like Adult Children of Alcoholics, Al-Anon. They tackle codependency issues, so just don't be afraid to get out there and find some support if you need help working through this stuff, because it can be really complicated because all of our experiences and emotions and, you know, beliefs are wrapped up in this stuff. And it can feel a lot less daunting if you have good help to walk you through healing these behaviors and dissolving those unhealthy patterns. That's where I want to leave off for today. And I'll be back next week with another episode of A Well-Cared-For Human. And as always, I hope you found it useful and I want to thank you so much for listening. This episode of A Well-Cared-For Human was written and produced by me, Corey Marie. The music was by Late Night Feeler and Esther Abrami. If you like what I'm doing here, please consider visiting my Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you get early ad-free access to the episodes, as well as a monthly patrons-only Q&A, bonus videos, and more. Not to mention that your Patreon support lets me know that you find value in the show and want it to continue. You can find me on Patreon by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Marie. If you can't support the show financially, that is okay. You can still subscribe to the show, leave a review of the show, and recommend the show to your friends, not just the neurotic ones. All of this helps so much. And as always, thank you for listening.